Hello folks, this is Chopping It Up with CJ. I'm your host, Chris James, and this is Weekside Wednesday. So what do we do on Weekside Wednesdays? I usually recap the prior week's games, go over what I got right, what I got wrong, especially from the betting side, because I know you all love that stuff. And I also go over news and notes that are prevalent to the game of the NFL, maybe even some college topics, but generally we want to stick to the NFL on this show. Now this is episode two of... The 2022 season, season two of Chopping It Up with CJ. And this is episode two of Weekside Wednesdays, as I should say. For those of you all who are new to the show, uh, you can follow me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at CJFlorida9. That's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out in the number nine. And again, this is preseason, so nothing's kicked off yet. This is week one coming up. We're going to have the Bills at the, the Rams to start the season off on Thursday Night Football. So I don't have anything to recap. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you just a a couple of items that I want to get into. And one of them, I'm just going to give you at this snapshot at this time, whether you're in Vegas or you're at a sports book adjacent state. Go ahead and try to put some money down. I'm going to give you my odds on favorite to win each major award. And then I'm going to give you what I would do from a betting perspective, because it's super easy to pick the favorite for something. Right. But guess what? Vegas. They don't go broke. These sport books, they don't go broke. Generally, what they do is they're smart people. So they uh, end up making a little bit off of you. So the best thing to do is not to bet on a favorite. You want to find something that has a good chance of happening that counters the expectation from Vegas. Because again, and I'm going to use Vegas to represent every sports book and betting book. What their goal is, is to try to get people to sit on each side of the line. They can get 50-50. They love it because they get what's called a rake. That's basically if $100 goes into a pot, they take $5 out of it each time something happens. So that's what a rake is. If they can get everything to be even, that means they don't really have to pay out anything. They're just using other people's money to pay off the other. So that's that's their goal. So we need to try to find the nuggets where things sit, where we can find just a little bit of an advantage, you know, where they might have set it too low because, you know, the odds are, are too too low. So you want to stay away from it, right? It has a, a chance of happening that's lower than what is expectation from the average person or odds are high. So you want to go with those bets, something where they think people will only value something at a certain level, but it has a larger likelihood of happening. So that's what I'm going to try to help you with today. Um, Cause there's not a lot of stories that probably haven't just been punished into your head. Uh, example, Lamar Jackson's contract. <laughs> I've heard it on every network, every channel. It's they, they, they must just be bored at this point. I'm not going to talk about that. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and jump in. And the number one thing to jump into is to be candid, the MVP. We're going to do it like that. We're going to start with the with the big boy, the MVP award. Now, the MVP, for those of you all in, honestly, you shouldn't be taking my betting advice or anyone's betting advice if you don't know what the MVP is. You probably are an extremely novice better. So you probably want to stick to just getting more ingratiated into the sport, playing free fantasy leagues, or just watching more uh, if you don't know what the MVP is. But it stands for most valuable player. All right. And the odds on favorite is Josh Allen. Actually, in a lot of sports books, uh, your top three people are going to go as follows. Uh, Josh Allen is going to be the odds on favorite of most sports books, uh, then probably followed by Patrick Mahomes and either some semblance of either Tom Brady 
or Aaron Rodgers. All right. So what I'm looking at right here for Vegas information for both uh, betting is Josh Allen being plus 600. Now, what does that mean? The simplest way I can put it is to use a value of $100. You're always betting $100. Okay, let's start there. If you were to bet $100 and you won the bet, you would get back $600. Uh, or you would win $600, I should say, plus your money back. Okay, that's what plus 600 means. Okay, again, if you don't really know this stuff, again, maybe betting's not your thing yet, but still, going to give you the information so that you can, even if you're not going to bet on this stuff, you can learn a little bit. All right. So Josh Allen is plus 600, at least on the information I'm looking at right here. Um, I don't think that's a good bet. Uh, reason being is for Josh Allen to be the MVP, they'll probably end up having the best record in the NFL, things like that. But a lot has to go well for him. Right. And there is a chance in a loaded AFC that things can happen, whether it's injury based or just simply they're not as they're not the team that people think they are. Though I do believe they're a really good team. Anyone who's listened to me, I have them going 13 and four in the regular season. The reason that that's not a good bet is because it's the odds on favorite. It has a good likelihood of happening. But the money that you can put down isn't good for him or Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady, in my estimation. All of those have a good likelihood of happening, but they don't really win you any money. Here's the way that I would go personally. I'm going to go with a little nugget in here. So I'm going to go with teams that have easy records with a quarterback centric because this has been a it's just a quarterback award at this point. So just throw out when you see, you know, wide receivers immediately eliminate them. Even with Cooper Cup's amazing, amazing season last year, I think he had less MVP votes than his quarterback, Matt Stafford, who honestly was just above average last year. And Cooper Cup killed it last year. So just throw wide receivers out. Running backs for that to happen. In today's uh, situation, you need what Derrick Henry was doing to have gone on the entire season. Teams aren't running guys like that anymore. And even Derrick Henry, who is just a specimen, isn't being utilized like that most likely this season um, just because of what happened last year. So it's a quarterback award. So you want to look for guys with where they are pretty much the entire team or very team focused, right? So that's one check mark. And two, have an easy schedule. So two guys that stand out to me and they're both pretty good odds. That's Lamar Jackson at plus 2,000. That means if you put down 100 bucks, you win $2,000. Very nice. One of the most injured teams ever was Lamar Jackson's team this year. And so, I mean, last year, I should say. And so, this year, with things revamped, everyone's healthy. Look for Lamar Jackson to, to honestly, I have them having the best record in the AFC. Also 13-4, and four, but having a tiebreaker over the Bills as they beat them at home in week four. And then I look at Jalen Hurts. Now, this one I'm a little iffy on because the voters, even if he deserves it, may not vote for him. For some reason, there's this disdain for Jalen Hurts. He has his issues like any young quarterback, but at the same point in time, they make it seem like Jalen Hurts is the worst quarterback to ever play professional football, which is just not accurate. But at plus 2,500, I wouldn't mind putting down 100 bucks for him to go off this season with all the parts around him and have a 26, uh, 2019 Lamar Jackson type season uh, or 2020 uh, Josh Allen season and really put himself in a place where he can have them with the number one seed, a 13-4 and four, or 12-5 and five record, and that is MVP caliber in my opinion. And then the last guy kind of looking down this list that 
honestly, you're going to laugh at me. But the value so good here for a situation that if things break right in his division, he could win. And if you heard me talk about this quarterback, I think he is a above average quarterback that can play good football. I do not think he's a bad quarterback. I just don't trust him in big moments. But he could put up a bunch of yards, score a bunch of points, touchdowns and against the quarterback lead. And that's Kirk Cousins at plus 5,000. Look, if you're looking for a flyer in that maximum range, Kirk Cousins is a guy that fits that mold. It could break right in this division where things don't come together in Green Bay. Chicago is still a bit of a mess as they try to, you know, sift through some stuff. And Detroit is not ready. And they can end up with that 12-5, and 13-4 record I was just talking about uh, from, excuse me, that I was talking about with respect to the Philadelphia Eagles. And then last as a Hail Mary, and I actually like this one on a personal level, but I don't think the NFL would do it. And I also don't think his team is going to allow him to throw for as many yards as they could have because of the new situation, and that's plus 8,000 with Jameis Winston. Look, you might call me a homer. For those of you all do, who do not know, I am a Saints fan. I don't hide that. I try to not let my bias affect me to a point where it makes me make poor choices. This would be more of a flyer. I don't think that this has a likelihood of happening. I do think that Kirk Cousins has a better chance to win the MVP than Jameis Winston for multiple reasons. Again, this is a voter-based scenario. This is writers and, and such voting for someone and I don't think that they're going to vote for Jameis just because of how, how they speak about it. I see a lot of support for our Kirk Cousins, but not for Jameis Winston. So this would be more, if you want to take an extreme flyer and the Saints end up just bludgeoning the league and being 14-3, and 15-2, uh, which I don't think is going to happen, Jameis Winston at plus 8,000 is a ridiculous bet. That's something where I go and put down 10 bucks just to mess around and end up with, with 800. So... Um, those are my MVP outlooks. I don't see anything. Again, wide receivers, just kind of throw them out of there. They're not going to get you any value. They're not going to get you anything, folks. And if you look at it, honestly, uh, running backs won't either. Wide receivers, definitely done. Running backs, mm. But here's an award that, honestly, if you kind of look over how it's gone, you know, this is where you do bring in the wide receivers. You do bring in the running backs. And that is the Offensive Player of the Year. See, what ends up happening a lot is people will try to placate when they end up eliminating someone from contention of something. Um, running backs and especially wide receivers have been eliminated from the MVP discussion. They've just basically told you the only people that matter in the NFL on a grand scheme and to whether a team can win is a quarterback. That's the only ones. That's literally what they've told you with this award or the MVP award. But with the Offensive Player of the Year award, what they do is, if anyone has a great season, a breakout season, they end up winning the award when they're a wide receiver or a running back. Last year, Cooper Cup won the Offensive Player of the Year. So the odds-on favor is actually the guy who won last year, Cooper Cup, and he's tied with Jonathan Taylor. Again, plus 900 in this particular thing that I'm looking at. Um, same division for both guys. Derrick Henry, who's in Jonathan Taylor's division, and Dubo Samuel, who is in Cooper Cup's division, they're both at plus 1,200. Um, I wouldn't take any of those guys as the bet. Again, the money's just not too good for it to be earned here. Jonathan Taylor had an amazing season last year. I don't think he'll have as good of a season, but still a really good one. I just don't think that the Colts will be dominant this year. And again, a lot of times you either have to be historic or have a dominant scenario where you put up uh, these numbers that really prove that you were the guy. And I don't think Cooper Cup's going to have that season again. Hard to repeat a historic season, so don't expect it. 
a guy that does stand out as a guy who could do it again if i'm going with kirk cousins as the mvp i'm gonna go with justin jefferson as a good bet here to win the opoy right plus 1600 $1,600 from putting down 100 bucks for him. I think that's a good bet. He could have a Cooper Cup-like season. Not saying the same exact numbers, but who really thought that seasons like what uh, Calvin Johnson did back in the day or Michael Thomas a few years back in, like, I think, 2019, you know, um, who thought that those seasons would end up being repeated so quickly with, you know, Cooper Cup having a season he had it? So it's not in a pass-happy league with a new pass-happy offense. It's not past the uh, level of believability that you can see Justin Jefferson ball out and get that award. So I'm going to go further down the list because what ends up happening is you really need to go and again, grab guys that are either quarterbacks that are going to put up silly numbers or running backs or wide receivers who are going to put up insane numbers. And as I look down this list, there are some guys who do stand out. And one of the guys that stands out in this particular list is Justin Herbert. Now, the reason I didn't have Justin Herbert in my MVP conversation is I don't think that he's going to even win his division. So if he's not going to win his division, it's hard to win the MVP. But what it's going to be easier to do is to win Offensive Player of the Year. So he could put up, let's say, 5,400 yards passing with 45 touchdowns um, and you know complete 70% of his passes. I'm just making these numbers up to show you how good they can be. And his team can still be the number five seed in the playoffs. You're not winning MVP doing that. But you can win Offensive Player of the Year. Because you had an amazing season. Your circumstances just didn't dictate you winning more games. Okay? Um, someone used an example earlier. Well, basically, you know, the years when Tom Brady and Peyton Manning were winning uh, MVP. Especially Tom Brady. Guess who had better numbers? Drew Brees. So he went Offensive Player of the Year. Just because he put up insane numbers. But the Saints didn't have the record, record that... You know, the Patriots or the Colts had at that time frame. And look at further and further down the list. Other guys that I think could truly put up some ridiculous statistics this year. If you want some long shots. Here's one guy. I'm betting on talent here if I'm betting on him. Saquon Barkley. Now, he's plus 5,000. You know, Giants fans, you want to put down 10 bucks to get 500? I say do it. Because what I think will happen is the following. Brian Dable is coaching for, you know, he, he's he's coaching to keep his job, right? I think he's pretty set, at least in his mind, that Daniel Jones is not the guy, but he can still engineer some stuff to make Daniel Jones look good. You know how you can do it and try to win some games? By giving Saquon Barkley the ball, figuring out how to get the best player on your team the ball. And if he eats for 2,000 plus uh, yards from the, the line of scrimmage or scrimmage yards, guess what happens? This it gets noticed. Even if the Giants are six and eleven or five and twelve, if Saquon Barkley goes out there and has twenty one hundred scrimmage yards and fifteen touchdowns, that'll get noticed. And another guy to look for, and this is gonna make no sense to you, but it makes sense to me only on the from the perspective that I think they're gonna have this season that's gonna be very frustrating for them. But this guy is going to hold the water and he's going to put up big numbers this year, even with offensive line issues. And that's Dak Prescott at plus 4,000. You know, people have talked about how Dak couldn't do this, couldn't do that. He didn't, he doesn't look good with this or that and the other, and he lost all these pieces. And Dak Prescott just balls out. That's all he does. 
consistently. Remember, he was coming back off an injury last year, a pretty severe one, and still looked really good uh, coming back off an injury. Now, his offensive line is down, but unlike a guy like Tom Brady, he's able to move. And unlike a guy like, let's say, Russell Wilson, he gets rid of the ball pretty quickly. Dak Prescott is a good mix between, let's say, those guys, gets rid of the ball quickly, on time in general, and he has mobility when necessary. He could put up some big numbers because I don't think the Cowboys will be as successful on defense as they were last year. I think a lot of that defense came from, or defensive numbers came from them truly being a a team that could um, get a lot of turnovers. And I don't think that's going to happen in volume this year. I don't think they're going to have the same easy road that they had in their division uh, this upcoming season. And that's going to put them in quite a conundrum. I think they were 6-0 in the division last year and 6-5 in all other games. So let's not think that's going to repeat itself where they're going to be this stellar defense. So Dak Prescott might have to put up a bunch of yards. All right, so there's Defensive Player of the Year here. And the favorite looks to be Miles Garrett, at least on this side. So the top three, and I think they're probably function in the same realm Miles Garrett at plus 600, Aaron Donald at plus 650, and TJ Watt at plus 800. That's at least, again, on this site. I really wouldn't go with any of those guys. The closest one would probably be Aaron Donald, but that you don't get any value there at plus 650. Uh, betting on Aaron Donald this year, I think there'll be a lot of pressure and stress on him given where he sits, who he is, and I think that what ends up happening in some circumstances is they don't like to really give out the repeat awards unless you just are so dominant. And while I think Aaron Donald will be, I think they'll look for someone else to give it to that's new. So I wouldn't take any of those guys, although I would have to, if I had to bet on a person who was going to get it, Aaron Donald's the safest bet to get the award. He's just so good. And the writers do respect what he does. So he has a good chance to get, I think it'd be his fourth defensive player of the year. Now, if I am looking for value here and just looking down the line of guys that truly have a chance, I like a a, a pair of guys that are at plus 2,800, okay? And I'm going to go with Max Crosby, defensive end for the Las Vegas Raiders, and Rashawn Gary, outside linebacker slash defensive end for the Green Bay Packers. Here's why I say that. See, Max Crosby has been a beast over the last couple of years. He actually was in the same draft class with Cleveland Farrell, who went fourth overall, and Crosby, I think, went in the third or fourth round. Can't remember off the top of my head, actually. And he's, if you flip those two picks, no one's really as mad at you because Crosby has been pretty damn good. He hasn't been the number four overall pick good, but he hasn't been far off. Last season, he balled out. Now you put Chandler Jones across from him alleviating pressure now he doesn't get as many if any double teams he could feast and get 20 sacks he could have a tj watt like season this upcoming year especially in a division where it's going to be pass heavy so he gets more cracks uh, bites at the apple uh especially in a situation where they're probably going to be playing in situations where other teams are passing the ball a lot because this is going to be a high-flying afc situation even outside the division so I can see Crosby, like I said, getting anywhere from 15 to 20 sacks this upcoming season. And Rashawn Gary, who I think had nine sacks last year, is a solid bet because, again, he'll be on a really good defense against a lot of bad offensive lines. You have Detroit, who has a solid offensive line, but they have Jared Goff. Maybe he holds onto the ball a little bit too long. 
little scary in his behaviors, allows for some sacks. You have Justin Fields. Poor Justin Fields. That offensive line isn't one of the better ones in the NFL. I'll just put it like that. And then in Minnesota, while I do have aspirations that the offense can be really good, what it also lends itself to is more pass attempts by Kirk Cousins and a Kirk Cousins who does sometimes struggle in certain situations. Might give Rashawn Gary some sacks. He could have 15 or so sacks. Now, as I look down the line, I like to look to see if there's people who stand out in scenarios that could really make things happen deeper into the pool. In a sneaky, deep sleeper pick, for me, is Brian Burns, defensive end out of the Carolina Panthers. Here's why, and this is why it's sneaky. So he's plus 6,600. So 100 bucks down, you get you $6,600. Okay, he plays in a division that has the likes of, I'm not even going to try to name the left tackles. Here's what I'll go, folks. The Bucks have injuries on their offensive line. The Saints have an injury at left tackle. The Atlanta Falcons have their issues on their offensive line. That's six of their games, okay? Number two, they play a fourth-place schedule. Oof. And number three, that defense is getting better. It is improving. It's got a lot of talent on it. Um, you might have quarterbacks hold on to the ball a little longer than they used usually do because... Yeah, you'll have a J.C. Horn who's coming back healthy. You'll have a better roster on the back end. And what happens? Just a split second is necessary and get you some sacks. You can go from getting pressures to getting sacks. And sacks are one of those numbers that really do give people the chance to be Defensive Player of the Year. All right, so we're going to go on to the next award. And that's the Offensive and Defensive Rookies of the Year. All right, folks. Offensive Rookie of the Year. On this site, the favorite is actually Kenny Pickett at plus 700. I guess they're just hedging on the fact that quarterbacks are generally the guys that get this award unless one of the other skill position players truly breaks out. I'm going to go ahead and get it out of the way. There is a virtual 0% chance. I'd put it at less than 1% chance that Kenny Pickett wins the Offensive Player of the Year. Major reason, if you want to be real... Trubisky's going to start at least the first five games. There's just, and I'm making an arbitrary number up. I'm not doing anything strategic here like, well, this is when the bye week is and this, no. Competency is going to play out. For everything you saw from Kenny Pickett, keep this in mind. Some guys catch on eventually. Like people want to use Joe Burrow as an example. I don't think Joe Burrow's situation and Kenny Pickett's situations are even nearly the same. Just to quickly go over Joe Burrow's quarterback competition, broke his arm. Competition won by Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace. Dwayne Haskins threw 50 touchdowns in the Big Ten. Amazing season by that young man. Joe Burrow transferred into a program that could not throw the ball and actually played competent football at quarterback. They get in a passing game coach that can actually scheme things up along with the current offense coordinator. And Joe Burrow, who quiet kept. People were learning now. Maybe it wasn't Joe Brady. Maybe it was Joe Burrow who was, uh, they had the wrong Joe, uh, who was actually making things happen. And Joe Burrow 
showed who he really was. Now, Kenny Pickett is different in my opinion because, all due respect, Kenny Pickett never looked good until last year. And after that COVID season, and Kenny Pickett, who is 23, basically, right, uh, is playing against, you know, younger folks, he balled out from a number standpoint. He still had panicky feet. He still had his issues. Mitch Trubisky is currently a better quarterback than Kenny Pickett. So, usually, the guys who win this award when they're rookies, they are just better football players, right? Than Kenny Pickett is. So, I think he has a a very little to 0% chance to win this award because he's not going to play enough games and he's not good enough to do it even if he did play every game. So, not to pick on him, but I'm just going to go. If I had to guess who's going to win Rookie of the Year, and I'm going to end up sounding like a homer here, I'm going to go with Chris Olave is going to win Rookie of the Year because Chris Olave is in a position to win Rookie of the Year. See, if you flipped Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, which I'm glad as a Saints fan we actually have Chris Olave, I think he's a better player. Not that Garrett Wilson's bad. If you flipped him, I think Garrett Wilson would win Rookie of the Year. You're, you're playing on a team with a dome that likes to be fast and get down the field with a quarterback who likes to throw the ball down the field. So you're using a speed receiver in an offense that hasn't been able to open it up in a while with a good offense and a quality defense. So it's a good team. So you'll have the record. It'll allow for some mistakes to be made. So James can take a few more shots down the field of Olave. Olave will probably have a season where he has like uh, 72 receptions for almost 1,200 yards and eight touchdowns. That type of season is a rookie of the year season based on all the offensive rookies that are offered up. He's at plus 800 here. It's not the greatest bet. I don't know if I would take that bet simply because it doesn't make sense. I'd actually fade this whole category if I were actually betting on it because it doesn't offer you much value. Even Romeo Dobbs, who has become kind of that uh, discussed person as Aaron Rodgers' next guy to go to, he's only plus 1600. Just looking down this list and looking at someone who could come through as rookie of the year. And again, some of this stuff's sad. Brian Robinson Jr. with plus 2,500 would have been a great bet for rookie of the year, except, you know, failed robbery attempt. Thank goodness it was. Uh, he was shot and had to have surgery, and he's out for the first at least month of the season. So that brings down his value. Kyron Williams, who is jumping up a lot of people's boards, is one that could really stand out, but what's going to happen there? I guess if I had to go with anyone, if you need to make a bet on someone to be rookie of the year, it would be twofold. And both of these players are at plus 5,000, but they both have an opportunity based on what I've seen so far. Tyler Algier, running back for the Falcons. If he gets the opportunity to be the running back of the Falcons, you know, week three or four and starts getting carries, he would be a good one, especially at plus 5,000 as a bet. And then this guy who is a second round pick, much like the guy who is currently the number one wide receiver in that wide receiver room, more speed, more physical ability. And that's Alec Pierce, who is quiet as kept a guy who could really ball out this upcoming season. Even with Matt Ryan, he is a vertical threat guy, but it's not like he's a one trick pony. Uh, And if they find innovative ways to get him the ball, whether it's, you know, jet sweeps, just hitches and screen game, or just simply getting him a slant and seeing if he can take one to the crib. He's got a lot of physical tools. And at that plus 5,000 marker, 
that's a pretty good place to sit them. Now, the defensive rookie of the year is one that honestly, I feel like it's going to be more lean towards uh, certain guys ending up being the odds on favorites and actually getting the award. Um, Aiden Hutchinson is the odds on favorite right now, plus 450. And then Trayvon Walker at plus 650. So those are the two guys who are the leaders in the clubhouse. You know, guys who I think are good, like Kayvon Thibodeau. He's going to miss several weeks with a knee injury. Um, So when I'm looking at this, I wouldn't take the bet of Aiden Hutchinson at all. Because again, there's no value there. You're putting down 100 bucks to win 450. And it's not guaranteed he's going to be the guy because it's not that he's not a good football player. What if they don't have enough off the other edge so he does get more double teams? What if he was more of a a technician in nature than an actual, like, sometimes physical, uh, sometimes your physicality and how you actually play, like your physical uh, abilities are more important than what you did from a production standpoint in college, sometimes. Um, And I think that a lot of it was Aiden Hutchinson was bigger, stronger than guys in college. And I don't think that's going to apply in the NFL as readily early on doesn't mean that he can't be good eventually I just don't think that he's going to show the same way that people think I actually think that if I had to pick someone to win defensive rookie of the year it'd be Trayvon Walker or Derek Stingley Jr. Um, Those are the two guys that I think would be the standouts to win that award just simply based on their talents and also opportunity now if I was betting on this award who would come in and end up winning this award I like some of the following people. I like at plus 2,000, N'Kobe Dean, inside linebacker that's playing for the Eagles. A lot of things will be funneled to him. So, N'Kobe Dean could have a high uh, tackle count combined with a high. He could end up blitzing, and he can pick the the ball off. I've seen him do that. It's not a strong suit in coverage, but it's one of those things that he can do, and he can do effectively. So, I like him there. And quiet is kept. I like Roger McCreary at plus 4,000. Again, this is a long shot, but one of the things that could happen is in a defense that they'll have some struggles. They lost Howard Landry, so generating pressure might have come from blitzes and things like that. McCreary could be one of those guys that can come from the nickel position, but he's really good at finding the football, picking it off, punching it out, doing things like that, and he could get that opportunity to do so especially if he's going to be playing in that slot. So it's 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 a bet to take him. I'm betting on talent here and also scheme. Um, but it's not like it's anything safe that you need to just go, you got to go take this guy. So anyway, and the last one that I want to bet, uh, want to discuss our last two, the last player based uh, odds bet that I want to discuss is NFL Comeback Player of the Year. The odds-on favorite is Derrick Henry. Makes a lot of sense. He's plus 350. He's probably going to put up really big numbers. Um, Also, Jameis Winston at plus 500. Um, He is someone who I think could definitely win the award. I told you he was a really dark, dark horse sleeper for MVP. Now, what I'll say is this. Derrick Henry winning Comeback Player of the Year is probably going to happen. He's going to get the carries, and as long as he looks any semblance, 85% of Derrick Henry, he's going to win the award. I think that, again, the writers, again, I don't think even if the Saints were amazing, would give Jameis Winston the MVP. I just don't think they'd do it. But if the Saints were amazing, and Jameis Winston are not even amazing, they could be 11-6, and six, 
and Jameis Winston looks good for a second straight season, they would definitely give him this award just based on the fact that Jameis Winston looks to be fixed. And what does that mean? Fixed. I was always in the mindset that Jameis Winston had both a maturity problem and a vision problem. A lot of the picks that he was throwing were the right read, but just thrown incorrectly. And I'm like, he's not a stupid young man. What's wrong? Oh, he can't see. He, he literally can't determine depth. Well, he fixed those eyes a couple of years ago, folks. And even though you want to judge and say, oh, well, the reason he didn't turn the ball over is because they limited him. And part of that might be true. Guess who they also limited at certain points in his career with the Saints late in his career? Drew Brees. It's less downfield throwing, a lot of just at the line or five yards down the field or screen game. So I think the NFL writers will be almost proud of Jameis because Jameis changed things. I personally am because Jameis has grown up. I mean, he had a, he needed to mature. And guess what he did? He matured. He was 28 years old. Even in the grand scheme of everything, in the NFL, maybe he's not Maybe he is older. In the grand scheme of life, dude's still a young, young man. So I think he's a really good candidate to win that award uh, if things happen. Who I would bet on for comeback player of the year? I would honestly bet on a guy like J.K. Dobbins at plus 2,000. Should get some some really good opportunity this year. If he's able to work back, he'll probably get some goal line work, things like that. They don't want to run Lamar Jackson at the goal line. He's not Jalen Hurts in their estimation. So I think that's a situation that could really go well for him. Now, if I'm taking a bet and I wanted to put some money down to make some decent money, there's two guys that I could target here. One is already healthy and back. That's Travis Satiana, plus 3,300. Yeah, plus 3,300. He could end up having a breakout season from the running back position in an offense that could end up being a breakout offense. But a guy that I think could make a big comeback and end up getting a lot of credit simply because he'll be on one of the better teams in the NFL. And it's a good position from the perspective of the media likes him. He's thought of and respected as one of the best players at his position. And again, he'll play on a really good team. That's Tredavious White at plus 4,000. You know, it depends on when he gets back and if he's able to make an impact. If he ends up with like six or seven interceptions on the season after only playing 12 games or 13 games, he'll get that award. He'll get the Comeback Player of the Year award. Now, okay. Last award I want to discuss is one that's going to be non-player focused. It's actually one where... (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and say it right now. It's very odd because I think this there's some guys who could win this award every year in some respects, especially one, one of the best coaches who is already a Hall of Fame coach. And honestly, it's amazing that he's been able to do what he's been able to do and still not get the credit that he deserves. And that's Mike Tomlin, who I don't I really don't know what it is because it'd be different if Mike Tomlin was uh, was a clown or was an a-hole, or anything like that. Mike Tomlin is a very matter-of-fact person, very blunt, very forward, but with all intents and purposes, really good guy. You know, there's the racial element that comes into it, but I actually don't even know if it's that, specifically. Like, I I don't understand why he doesn't get the credit that he deserves. I do think that plays into it, but I think it's less of that. It's just the value that Mike Tomlin brings and people kind of get this wrong because I think he was a wide receiver coach with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers but they're like oh well he's a defensive minded guy who if if he were known as an offensive guru 
I think he would get a little more credit. He's barely known as a defensive guru. Some people say he's a defensive coach. I just think he's a really good coach. Like, he's able to mold men. He's been in that Tony Dungy tree. Like, he's he's the, the archetypical head coach. A guy who's able to manage and get inspired and get other people to do their job and do it well. And I think that's one of the things that bothers people is we have this current thing that's going on right now. And actually, that's the next topic I'm going to speak about. Where... The only way for certain people to consume the game is through some level of uh, analytical function, right? And since Mike Tomlin doesn't bring that value, he doesn't look like uh, Sean McVay or uh, Kyle Shanahan. And I don't even mean like physically, I mean like his game sets. It doesn't look like that. They're unable to grasp the intangible portion of what a guy like him or even a Mike Vrabel, to a lesser extent, brings to a team. There's a reason the Titans, as an example... We're able to sustain without Derrick Henry. They believe in their coach. And it's part of the reason why it, it was hard for me to have them with an 8-9 record or 9-8 and eight for the Steelers is because even when they don't look like they should be good, Tomlin's going to get those that, that team to at least 8 wins. And at this circumstance, probably 9. Or Mike Vrabel, guys like that. There's something that's intangible that football people feel and kind of know exists that some folks can't because they need some sort of formula to support their opinion. So just on the betting odds on this, Brandon Staley on this is, and Brian Dable. Actually, no, I don't understand these odds at all. Brandon Staley is the betting favorite. I don't mind that at plus 1400. Brian Dable at plus 1600 doesn't make any sense because I really don't think they win more than seven games. I think they actually win four or five. So I don't know how that's possible. Um, so, wow, <laughs> I would take some of these odds immediately. Wow, I would take some of these odds immediately. I don't know. I'm starting to not trust this site at this point because Andy Reid is plus 3,300. Um, some long odds. I'll, I'll give you some people who are have a good chance to win the award to be candid. That have plus 2,800 for Zach Taylor. They literally just went to the Super Bowl. Plus 2,800 for Dennis Allen. Saints are one of the best teams in the NFL. From top to bottom. The aforementioned Mike Tomlin at plus 2,800. A little more difficult, but he's a name that people are familiar with. And if they're able to win games this year and get to the playoffs again, that's a pretty good bet. Plus 3,300 for Andy Reid. That doesn't make any sense. None, none of that makes any sense. Uh, I don't know. I'm very confused by this. If these are the actual odds that are offered, I'm taking Andy Reid all day. Plus 3,300. Because I think there's, I think the the minimum games that the Chiefs will win is nine, nine and eight. I think there's a good case that the Chiefs can go thirteen and four. You might think I'm being crazy, but their defense is actually better this year. Their offense, I think, while not as explosive on paper or even in general, actually gets to be more of an Andy Reid offense. They get away from some of the cute and focus on execution more than anything. So wow on these odds. All right, folks. So that's the betting odds portion of the show. There is something that I want to discuss, and this is coming off the top of the dome. It's just something that I kept looking at, and I thought about it, and I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Now, there's some people who they host their podcast, their nationally renowned podcast, things like that. And I think they do an excellent job hosting their podcast. 
One of those people, I'm going to actually mention by name because I actually respect the work she does on her podcast. I think she is an exceptional moderator. And I think she actually does a pretty solid job with trying to convey football information to folks. And I believe she's actually a really, you know, a, a true football fan, like an actual football fan. She's not just here just just to do it just because it's a way to be famous. I think she's a legit, if she never did this, she'd be in her house watching football every Sunday and Tuesday, uh, Thursday and Saturdays during the end of the season and Mondays. And that's Mina Kimes. I think Mina Kimes does an exceptional job as a writer. I think she does a great job on her podcast, moderating that podcast, moving things along. It's extremely smooth, <laughs> much smoother than mine. Uh, so uh, she is someone who I, I listen to because I actually respect the work. But she is an example of something that I've seen that bothers me, but not specifically about her, just in general. And it's the necessity when discussing football to bring in these advanced analytics and these stats that to be candid, they are useful only to identify what you already know and have seen. When you have to use DVOA and and these different statistics to actually purport what you're trying to say to people, I don't like it. It feels wrong. And here's why. When people hear buzzy words, you know, and there's running jokes about stuff like synergy and this and that, when they hear these buzzy words, it makes them think that you know what you're talking about, that you're more intelligent than what you're actually giving out as information. And this is not a judgment on people's actual intelligence. I'm talking specifically about the understanding of the game, okay? So I don't like it from that aspect. But the other portion is, if you never had any advanced statistics in front of you, could you sit there, watch a game, know what's going on, tell someone who really actually knows the game, and then also tell someone who's a layperson? If you can do that, that's something that I can respect as far as your football acumen. Now, again, this is not specific to her because I feel like to some extent she'd be able to pull that off, right? It's more so when I see other people do podcasts and they only focus on these advanced stats and metrics that I go, you know, something doesn't feel right. And it finally hit me what it reminds me of. You know, I I am a person who loves music. Uh, I've loved different genres of music. Um, Al Boley is someone who comes to mind. Like there's a song from 1938. It was in The Shining and I, I like it. Midnight, the stars and you. Not something you would expect for me to listen to, but that's one of the songs that actually comforts me. It makes me feel good. I don't think they were getting advanced stats and metrics on how to do music, right? But today we do know. We know what notes hit people's ears correctly to make them react a certain way. We know the amount of counts that need to go into making a successful song for a club. All these different things. And computerization and auto-tuning, like giving people the ability to not actually just reach people with their own artistry has made music easier for everyone. And I think it's done the same thing with football where you get all these advanced stats and metrics to try to get down to something that honestly, there's a good number of people who everything that you're trying to find out a figure and a formula to describe, they just see it. 
And I'm gonna sound cocky here. I feel like to some extent I see that. The guys that I work with with football game plan, they see that. It's almost like seeing the matrix. You actually see what's going on without the necessity of having a formula to tell you what's right, wrong, or indifferent. And I think it's allowed for the space itself to be saturated with people who honestly should not be assessing the space. Could they work in the space? Sure. And learn how to actually assess the space. But they become these people who rely so heavily on stuff that in reality gets players killed on the field and gets coaches fired off the field. Well, you should go for it on fourth down and this and this. It's fourth and six with the division on the line and you have a quarterback named Daniel Jones and yes I'm picking on him and I'm sorry are you going for it conversely you have the same situation let's even say it's with the division the Super Bowl on the line and it's 4th and 11 and you have a quarterback named Tom Thomas Edward Brady you're going for it The statistics say that you should probably go for it with the Daniel Jones scenario. Let's make it fourth and two even. I'm going for that fourth and 11 because I know it's Tom Brady. And now you can say that you can add that portion into the stat and all this. You don't need to do all that. The people who watch and have played or have experienced, have coached, have just observed the game because you don't have to have played at a high level. You don't have to have played in the NFL or even college to be able to do this. But you have to have some depth of field to know why or why this isn't good and know that your gut has a lot that's right about it. And you don't need an advanced statistic to make that decision for you. And to be candid, analytics, statistics, they have always existed in the game. And honestly, even for the people who might not have been the best at math, they've existed inside their head. Their brain is telling them without them knowing to make certain decisions and to do it. And it works out again. That's special. They're special. You should focus on them. But when you need consistently these formulas to try to convey something about the game or to report that you're intelligent, it dilutes the subject matter itself. So I'm hoping that we get to an era where we kind of eliminate some of this stuff as crutches and use it as what it should be, assistive, instead of being the whole presentation. All right, folks. And that was, again, I wish it would have been cleaner. I could have set up better for it. But at the end of the day, it was something that just came up in my mind, something I wanted to talk about and discuss. So this is Week Side Wednesday. I'm Chris James. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at CJFlorida9. That's at CJ, the entire state of Florida spelled out in the number nine. Uh, on a, a couple other properties, including uh, doing fantasy football on a weekly basis on Sundays for Picks 11 in New York City. And I will start doing this this week. It's kind of tough for me. For those who know, you know that I'm currently in flux of getting all my stuff uh moved into a new place so doing youtube which is what i want to start doing i want to do the video side as well as the audio side to bring you audio for a whole year but yes i will be on youtube hopefully within the next week and we'll start doing that consistently 
Um, but for now, this will just be an audio uh, podcast for at least the next week, maybe the next two weeks. And as the season rolls on, going to definitely get that video going for you. So for the Chopping It Up with CJ podcast, Weekside Wednesdays, episode two of season two, this is Chris James signing off. Enjoy the Thursday night game that's coming up, Bills at Rams. Enjoy all the games that are coming up this week. And just enjoy life in general, folks. It's too short to not. Take care. Bye-bye.